series uh, called God the Rewarder. And we've been talking about this because I believe God is getting ready to pour out rewards on the house of God. Can I get an amen on that? See, I'm not a, I'm not an information type preacher that just, you know, oh, what can I, what can I give people information? I really try to pray and believe God. God, what are you saying to the people of God that are going to be in the house are going to be watching us online for this week? In the last couple of weeks, what I really felt was that God was getting ready to reward those that have been diligently seeking him. And sometimes you go through seasons where it seems like you're sowing, 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 and you're not really reaping. But the Bible promises us if you sow, you will reap. It's just a matter of time. And I feel like many of you have gone through a strong season of sowing. And the Bible talks about a time where, where the, the reaper catches up to the sower. In other words, as much as you're sowing, you're also reaping. We want to get to the place where we sow and we reap at the same time. And I really believe God is getting ready to pour out the rewards. And many times we serve God uh, and understand that he will reward us. So 11, uh, Hebrews 11 verse 6 has been our text. Let's start there. It says, but without faith, it is impossible to please him. For he who comes to God must believe that he is and that he is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. Come on, let's pray. Father, we thank you for your presence that's here today. We thank you for the worship, the opportunity that we had to come together in unison and sing praises unto you, Father. I thank you for that, Lord. And as we bring you a sacrifice of praise, we thank you that that praise plows open our heart so that the word can become, they come and be sown into our hearts, Lord, so that we can bear much fruit. Speak to the people today in Jesus' name. And everybody said? Amen. Amen. So we've been talking about God the rewarder. So it says here, Hebrews eleven six that uh, those that come to God must first believe that he is. Well, I believe we all believe that he is. That's why we're in church on a Sunday, okay? But it also says that we must believe that he is a rewarder. And I think this is so important for the people of God not to lose sight of. We know him, as, many of you know him as a judge, you know him as somebody that will, 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 will judge you if you sin, if you mess up. Well, God's going to get you. He'll send you to hell if you don't live right. See, many people lived under that type 
of understanding of who God is, but that's not who God is. Yes, God is a judge and we will be judged. We will be judged for our works, but understand this. He is a judge that rewards. What about that? He is somebody that is synonymous with rewards. The Bible says in the book of Genesis that when he introduced himself to Abram, he introduced himself and he said, Abram, I am your shield and your exceedingly great reward. So God and rewards are one. Can I get an amen on that? You can't separate God from rewards. He is a rewarder of those that diligently seek him. And then last week, we called attention to what Jesus preached uh, in Matthew chapter 25 when he talked about the parable of the talents. And you need to understand these parables that Jesus talked about because what he's trying to do is teach you how the kingdom works. See, when Jesus walked the earth, his main assignment was to change the thinking of the, of the people of God, of the Hebrew children. He was trying to get them to understand, repent, because there's a new way of doing life. Repent, because there's a new way of thinking. It's called the kingdom of God. Repent, because this is how God works. But we get Christians saved, and they come to church, and they receive salvation, but they never change the way they think. So you come to church, but you still think like the world. You come to church and you try to get blessings like the world gets blessings. And can I just tell you, it's different. It's not the same. The world gets their blessings a certain way. The kingdom of God works different. And some of you have been operating in the kingdom like you're in the world. And that's why you're confused. That's why you're not seeing the blessings comes. That's why you're frustrated, depressed, because you are not operating in this kingdom's rules. It always reminds me of the time, this was in the 90s, where that American kid got on a plane to go visit some family in Singapore. And while he was in Singapore, in a whole nother country, he did not take the time to understand that the laws of Singapore are different than the laws in the USA. In Singapore, it is illegal to chew gum. In Singapore, if you break, if you, they're, they're very tough on crime. And I'll tell you this, if you've ever been to Singapore, it is one of the cleanest nations on the planet Earth. It's an amazing place. I was there a couple years ago with Jesse Delgado. And, and, and so this young man goes to another kingdom, Singapore, and he tries to act like an American. And he goes out and he finds some spray paint and he begins to do some graffiti because he thinks, I'm in a whole nother country. I'm going to leave my tag right here. And he starts spray painting a wall. Well, did you know the police caught him? arrested him, took him to the police station, and the, the charge for spray painting in Singapore is what they call caning, which means this, they take a stick and they beat your behind with it. That's the law. And so this person, this young man and his family, they panicked and they called the ambassador to the United States. Hey, you got to get over there here. You got to do something. They're about to beat my son. And they said, well, what did he do? Oh, he spray painted a wall. And they said, well, there's nothing we can do because you're in their country and you broke their law. 
And therefore, you have to reap their consequences. There was a big thing in, on the news in the 90s, and the U.S. couldn't do anything about it. Why? Because this young man didn't understand he's in a different kingdom. And this is how we are in church. You're still operating like you're in the kingdom of the world. You're not. You are in the kingdom of God. And so Jesus's only message when he walked the earth was to teach the people the ways of the kingdom. What does the kingdom of God mean? It means how God works, how heaven works. This is the system of God. And so Jesus went about trying to get everybody, stop thinking like that, repent. That's what repent means. Change your thinking and understand the kingdom. Can I get an amen on this? So this is what we're, this is what I'm trying to get you to understand. When we read the parables, you got to understand and read it closely because he's trying to tell you how things work in the kingdom. Now in the parable of the talents, he says in the kingdom, he, he uses this system. He says there was a master who gave to his servants to one servant, he gave five talents to another servant. He gave two talents and to another servant, he gave one talent. See, we don't like this in America because we want everybody to be equal. We want every, why, why can't we all have the same? We're all the same. We're, everybody, you're human just like I am. We're all the same. Can I just tell you, according to Jesus' uh, preaching, we are not. Some have been given five talents. Some have been given two. Some have been given one. There's levels in the kingdom. Y'all see that? <laughs> but we want to treat everybody the same. Better read your Bible. Well, that's not fair. Well, let me tell you what is fair. The Bible says, according to this scripture, that if you were given five, you can increase that to 10. If you are given two, you can increase that to four or six or eight or whatever. And if you are given one, you can also elevate your life and cause what you have to grow. How many know that's fair? So here's what happens in the scriptures, right? These guys, the guy with five, the master comes and says, what did you do with what I gave you? He says, man, I turned it into 10. Comes back to the guy with two, said, what'd you do with that? Man, I got four now. The master looks at them both and says, well done, my good and faithful servants. He goes to the guy with one. And the guy with one says this. He says, I knew, I knew you to be a hard man. So therefore, I didn't do anything with my talent because I was afraid to lose it. The thing you've got to understand is what caused this was wrong thinking about God. Who told this guy that this, the master was a hard man? When he was actually the opposite, he's a generous man. You see, and this is where a lot of Christians are at, right? This is why Christians don't take chances. A lot of Christians don't take chances. Of anybody on the planet Earth, we should be the biggest risk takers. We should be starting businesses. We should be investing our money. We should be believing for big things. Why? Because everything God has given me, catch this, he expects me to grow it. That's what this scripture says. 
He comes to the person with one. He says, you didn't do anything. And here's what he calls the one person that hid his talent. He said, you wicked and you lazy servant. But then he goes further and he says, I'm going to take the little you have and I'm going to give it to the guy with 10 talents. <laughs> well, that's not fair. He, the guy with the ta- 10 talents, he should be giving to the guy with one. See, you're thinking like the world right now. You're not thinking like the kingdom. Because that's Jesus is telling you, well, the kingdom works like this. The kingdom, see, we are, well, the guy with a lot should give the guy with little some, and, and then we can all be even. Talk to Jesus about that, because he says, oh, you didn't do nothing with that? Give me that. Here you go, mister. Do something with this. Maybe he doesn't do it with that attitude that I just did, but you feel me. <laughs> because what he wants you to see is that you could have what he has if you just believe right about me. You can have 20 talents too if you just do something with the little I've given you. See, this is why it's so important that you learn that God's a rewarder because some of you are so afraid that you're hanging on to the little bit that you have. Some of us are so, well, we don't have enough, Pastor. Oh, I can't even tithe. I can't even give back to God. See, you're so afraid because you don't know God's a rewarder. If you knew that God was a rewarder, you would take the little you have, put it in his hand, go, I know God's got me now because I kept him first. But we have so many people that don't know God is the rewarder. There's some people, they don't get involved in their local church. Because they go, oh, man, that just sounds like a lot of work. I ain't trying to be back there with nobody's kids. I ain't trying to get there early. I ain't trying to do that. See, you think that way because you don't know that God rewards that. You think it don't matter. You think we're all the same. The guy that works and the guy that doesn't, we're all the same. But in the kingdom, when you do something with the little, God gives you more. If you do nothing with the little, God takes even what you have. And he'll give it to somebody else. Let me translate it like this. There are blessings that are stored up for you and your wife, you and your husband, you and your kids. They are yours. But if you don't do anything with the blessings that God's already given you, God then takes those blessings that are supposed to go to you and he gives them to the couple that is seated three rows behind you. Don't look back at them with a dirty look. I saw you. some of you. Who's sitting behind me? Who's sitting behind? Who's doing that? Guys, think about this. See, we don't think like this because the world doesn't understand this. This is kingdom thinking. Jesus taught this. And so what he's trying to tell us is you got to do something with what you have. If you do something with what you have, I'll give you more. I'll give you more. This is why the principle of tithes and offerings is so big. Some, you know, don't take a lot, just a little. God says, give me a little, I'll give you more. Some of you can't give. Oh, I don't, I, I don't, we don't have enough, Pastor. You know, it's really true. You know, we've got people in this church that give and are on welfare. And guess what's going to happen? They won't be on welfare long if they keep giving God like that. Because he will provide. He will provide. It's what he does. But when you hold everything, you're a, here's another thing about talents, right? In the story, it's finances. It's a business type story, but it could also be your natural talents. What was the problem with the guy that had one talent? He basically says, I was afraid. So I went and hid your talent. I wonder how many of you are afraid to use your talent in front of people. 
you're up here and you see the praise and worship team and you can sing. This is for the people that can sing. <laughs> Not the people that want to sing. Okay. But some of you know you got a gift, but you're afraid to get up here. You're afraid to be a part. You, you could play an instrument. You could play an instrument and you're afraid. So you don't get up here. If you use your talent, it'll grow. I, you know who's a testimony of this? Our bass player, uh, uh, Vinny. Man, it blows me away. Y'all, Vinny grew up in this church. When I met him, he was in sixth grade, I think, sixth or seventh grade. Uh, he was not a musician. Jonathan moved uh, uh, to Bible school in Malaysia. We needed a drummer, and Vinny said, hey, I'll try. And he took this little gift and learned how to play drums. Then Jonathan came back and said, give me them sticks. I'm back. I want my place back. Poor Vinny was like, well, what can I do? Well, we need a bass player. Vinny's like, I'll get on there and I'll play bass. And he plays bass now. See, he uses a little talent, so God gives him more. What are the talents you have in life? If you use them, God will give you more. Guys, this is the kingdom. I know in the world we like to think the opposite way. Well, the person with a lot should do the most, and the person with a little doesn't have to do anything. But God sees it so much different. So what am I trying to tell you to do? I'm trying to tell you that God is a rewarder. Trust him. Get in the game. The reason you don't serve, the reason you don't give, the reason you don't make time for God is because you don't know who he is. He is a rewarder of those that give him their time. He is a rewarder of those that give him their talent. He is a rewarder of those that give him their treasure. And what's God's motive for all this? He's not trying to take things from you. He's trying to get things to you. He loves to be believed. He loves it when his children know who he is. And, and folks, that's why you've got to understand this aspect about your God. He is a rewarder. He rewards everything you do for him. I want you to write this down. God and rewards are synonymous. They go together. Now, last week I told you this. I also told you uh, that all good things come from God. And we see that in James chapter 1, 16 and 17. It says, every good gift and every perfect gift is from above and comes down from the Father of lights. Do not be deceived, he says. In other words, it's this. Some of you have lost sight of who your blessings come from because you still think like the world. Let me tell you what the world teaches you. The world teaches you hard, hard work, hustle, grind, all those things are going to produce blessing in your life. Now, let me just say this. Those are all good things. But the Bible tells me that my blessings come from God, not my hard work. But I should work hard. I don't want to separate the two. Because we got a lot of Christians, they don't want to work. And they go, oh God, the blessings come from you. No, you better get some, some works in there too. But even with all my hard work, I have to understand God's the author of my blessings. Amen? I said amen? God's the author of my blessings. You know who gave me my wife? God. You know who gave me my kids? God. You know who gave me my stunning good looks? God. Why'd you laugh? That's so jacked up. So jacked up. Y'all are, y'all are mean. Y'all are some mean Southside folk up in here. Every blessing, the Bible says, came from him. Amen? Amen. You need to know this because the world doesn't teach us this. 
The world tries to tell you that if you just get an education, you can have a good life. Get an education, amen, but don't lose sight and don't lose focus on who the blessing comes from. See, some of you think you got that job because of that degree you worked so hard for. I'm glad you worked for the degree, but God gave you that career. God gave you that job. And you need to strip yourself of any pride into thinking it was you and understand that God does that. Now, why is this important? Because some of you got your eyes on people to bless you and not God. It's so important so that some of you single people can understand your spouse is going to come from God. Got one amen on that. See, some of you think my spouse is coming from Instagram. It's going to come from my DMs, Pastor, because I'll be posting these pics, and you know what pics I'm talking about. Yeah, you'll get a husband, but it won't be a good one. I'm just going to let that marinate right there. Everything good comes from God. So this is why everything you do, you should be focused on pleasing him. Can you catch that today? Not pleasing me, not pleasing anybody, not your boss, not the state. That's a whole nother thing. We'll get into that. But God, because everything good comes from God. So if everything good comes from God, there are two things that should be taking place in your life. Number one, write this down. Understanding that everything good comes from God that should cause you to ask God for things. Ask God for things. Matthew 7, 7 through 11 says this. Jesus preached this. He said, hey, ask and it'll be given to you. Seek and you'll find. Knock and it will be opened to you. Listen to this next part. For everyone. Everybody say everyone. Everyone. Who asks, receives. You can say that too. Amen. Praise God. Everyone who asks receives. See, the problem we have in church is you think only the good people that ask receive. But if we're really honest, there ain't no good people. Come on, y'all. Oh, you think I'm good? Without the blood of Jesus, I ain't. Without the Holy Spirit, I ain't. So Jesus makes a distinction here. Everyone who asks will receive and he who seeks finds. And this is where your brain goes nuts right now because then you start going into experience and you want to believe experience above God's word. And you start going, well, when I was five, I prayed and I asked God to get my parents back together and they didn't get back together. So, and you want to revert to that for what you believe. Well, I I prayed for a man and I'm still single. And you want to revert to that. Listen, you can revert to that if you want to, but I'm going to stay focused on Jesus's words. Well, well, what about my Thea? And, you know, my Thea had cancer and she asked to get healed. And and she, see, we want to create what we believe based on experience. And anytime you base it on an experience, you're going to have what that experience says you can have. And if I base my belief strictly on experiences and failures and things that did not happen, I'm going to live a life where my prayers and the things I want do not happen. But the moment I take my focus off of experiences 
and I place it on the words of Jesus, I can have what the scriptures tell me. This is why when you're sick, you're broke, whatever you're going through, you've got to get laser focused on the promises. You got to lock into what Jesus said. You got to pray and you got to confess and you got to say, Jesus, you said, if I'd ask, I would receive. Therefore, Lord God, I ask you for healing over diabetes, over cancer, over this thing, over that thing. And you got to be so locked into that because the next part he says is that you have to believe in your heart. But Jesus says it here, for anyone who asks, receives, for anyone who seeks, finds, and to him who knocks, it'll be open. Why? Because he's a rewarder. But then look what else he says. Or what man is there among you who asks his son, if his son asks for bread, you're going to give him a stone. Or if your son asks for fish, you're going to give him a serpent. If you then, being evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your father in heaven give good things to those who ask him? God is a good God. The problem is we don't focus on that enough. We focus on ourselves, our circumstances, our trauma, our past, and we take that and we use that to define who God is to us. And that's why you're in the state you're in right now, because that'll lead you to anxiety, confusion, disappointment, thoughts like, God, your word don't work. See, the problem is you're focused on the wrong thing. You need to get this today. Look at, let me take you over to Mark 11, 22, 24. Another reason we got to ask because the Bible says, so Jesus answered and said to him, said to them, have faith in God or have the God kind of faith. For assuredly, I say to you, whoever says to this mountain, what is a mountain? A mountain is your problem that you're going through. Whoever says to this bad marriage, whoever says to this toxic relationship, whoever says to this low income, whoever, whatever your problem is, whoever says to this trauma, be removed and be cast into the sea. And here's the most important part, but does not doubt in his heart. This next part makes people mad because we don't understand it. He says, but believes those things he says will be done. Look at this. He will have whatever he says. Tell your neighbor, you can have what you say. Yeah, but you don't believe that. You don't believe that. Because if you did, you'd say better things. You don't believe it, but your life right now is evidence of everything you say. My husband's so stupid. He's so stupid, he gets on my nerves. So guess what? You have a husband that is stupid and gets on your nerves. You have what you say. My kids are so bad. My little girl's so crazy. Guess what you have? You got a crazy little girl. And you got some bad kids because you can have what you say. So here's the, here's the great thing, right? Change what you say. I love my husband. My husband's so good. I got no amens on that. Dang. My husband's so smart. He's a hard worker. 
man, he's a hard worker. Man, I'm so glad I married him. See, guess what you'll have? A hardworking, smart husband. Pastor, it ain't magic now, Pastor. Come on, it ain't magic. No, but listen, you can have what you say. Start saying the right thing. Man, I hate this job. This job is stupid. Guess what you have? A stupid job that you hate. You have a stupid job that you hate because you keep speaking that. Every day before you go into that building, say, man, I got a great job. I love this job. Guess what you're going to have? A great job that you love. See, I don't believe the Bible. If you believe the Bible, you do it. But let me pull you back over to that mountain part, right? He says you could speak to the mountain and cast it into the sea. The mountain is whatever problem you're facing. The mountain is whatever you need out of your life. That mountain can be trauma. It can be addiction. It could be anything. You can speak to it and it can go. But here's the thing. You got to believe it in your heart. And this is why I'm trying to convince you. I'm trying to give you revelation that God is a rewarder so that you will know the biggest thing about this is he's on your side. He wants to reward you. He wants to be helping you overcome solutions. But here's the problem. We don't focus on him as the rewarder. We focus on everything else. We focus on the past, the experiences, the trauma, all this other stuff. And this is the problem. We've got to focus on God as rewarder. Are you tracking with me today? Let me leave you with a couple more things because I know you want to watch the game. And for anybody that's serving today, we're going to throw the game right on as we end the service. So it's going to be on the big screen here. You can watch it. And you can pray in tongues in the house of God and say, Lord. Because y'all might need it today. Y'all might need it today. Colossians chapter 3, 23 through 24. Look what it says here. It says, bond servants, obey in all things. And what is a bond servant? We sung about it today. My life is not my own. My life is not my own anymore. If you're a Christian, Jesus Christ shed his blood and he paid the highest price for your life. Your life is not your own. That's what a bond servant is. And he says, obey in all things your masters according to the flesh, not with eye service as men pleasers, but in sincerity of heart, fearing God and whatever you do, whatever you do, Do it heartily as to the Lord and not to men, knowing that from the Lord you will receive the reward of your inheritance, for you serve the Lord Jesus Christ. But he who does wrong will be repaid for what he has done, and there is no partiality. What is the Bible trying to get you and I to do? Y'all ready for this? I'm going to adjust your thinking if you let me. The Bible is trying to get us to understand who our blessings come from, to get our eyes off of people and organizations and things and understand you don't work for your boss, you work for God. I know you state workers, you don't work for the state, you work for God. And so if you work for God, stop serving, uh, stop working like you work for these men and these women on your job. No, Jesus says work for me because I pay well. God pays well. Did y'all know that? You should know that because he's a rewarder. And so if you go to work every day working for God, he will elevate you at your job. And so Colossians tells us this. Some of you are not working for God. You are working for man and you're working to be seen. That is why when your boss is in the room, you do great work. But the minute they go on coffee break, come on somebody, 
the day that they're sick, this is you at your job. Hallelujah. Um, Instagram. And you're, hey, girl, what's going on? And you don't work when the boss ain't around. Who am I talking to? I'm talking to somebody today. <laughs> well, the Bible says, hey, don't serve with eye service as men pleasers. Work for God. This is why you got to understand if I work for God, it don't matter who's around me, I'm going to do good work. And here's the thing. God rewards my good work, not my boss. There have been several jobs that I've worked that, that I was never qualified for. But God promoted me because everything I did, God was the one I was working for and he brought the promotion. Even when I started my own business, guys, when I, had, when, I, when I started my own cleaning business, I had this business where well, before we started the church where I had to go and clean this big gym uh, every night uh, from uh, 10 o'clock to 2 in the morning. And I had to do it by myself. And my man Dale over here knows. He was one of my workers. And that's how we met over 12 years ago, 13 years ago. And, and so when we would do this job, man, we did it to the best of our ability. Well, guess what happened? God promoted in the sense to where I got a part of a program with the city of, of Sacramento to where they said, if you'll give these guys that are coming out of uh, old lifestyles and stuff, if you'll employ them and you'll watch them, we'll pay them, we'll pay their salary and you won't have to pay them anything. Well, that was a promotion. So I started now having six, seven workers at the job that I started. The city is paying them. I don't even have to clean anymore. That was a promotion. You want to know why that happened? Because I believe God rewarded me for working for him. And he will do the same for you. But some of you go to work, I hate my boss. I can't stand this place. Because, see, you're focused on them. And you say, well, pa well, pastor, you know, the reason I don't like it is because, you know, I do all this work and they don't pay me enough money. See, that's the problem. You work for God, he'll reward you better than they can. You work for God, and he'll be the one that assures that you get a raise. And sometimes that raise won't come from that company. It'll come through a blessing from the other place. It might come in the form of something you've been believing for. It might come in the form of, of you being able to get a house. I don't know. But guys, what the word of God is trying to get you to focus on is that God rewards work for him. Some of you are offended in your heart with your employers. Get your eyes off of them. The Bible says that promotion comes from God. It didn't come from them. And this is why Colossians also tells us whatever you do, Colossians chapter three uh, in the Amplified says, whatever you do, work from the soul that is, put in your very best effort as something done for the Lord and not for men. We do it for men. We gotta start doing it for God. Can I get an amen on that? I talked about this on Friday, how we serve God is very, very important. But see, sometimes we only serve God for the gram. We serve God to post about it. We serve God to show this, to show that. Listen, you better be serving God for the right reasons. That's what he rewards. And God is a rewarder. Colossians 3.17 says, whatever you do, whether in word or deed, do it all in the name of Jesus, giving thanks to God, the Father through him. 
First uh, Colossians uh, uh, 15, I'm sorry, First Corinthians 15:58 says, "Therefore, my dear brothers and sisters, stand firm, let nothing move you. Always give yourself fully to the work of the Lord. Listen to this part, because you know that your labor in the Lord is not in vain. Translation: God sees everything you do for Him, even if others don't. You know, there's a big thing in the body of Christ right now called church hurt. And it's where people get hurt at church. And so they say, I'm not going to church anymore. Now, sometimes church hurt is real where leaders are immature or leaders make mistakes. And in that they hurt people. But sometimes the hurt has nothing to do with the leaders. It has everything to do with the people having their eyes on the wrong thing. And so what will begin to happen is somebody is an usher and they do a good job ushering and they usher and they're faithful and they're on time. But after a period of time of doing that, they get upset that the pastor or the head usher doesn't come over to them and say, hey, you've done a good job. They have, they, you're doing great. Nobody comes and says that. And I've had these conversations with people and they just say, well, pastor, I just feel unappreciated. I feel like nobody rewards what I've done here and I'm just tired of serving because I don't feel like it's done anything for me. The problem they have is they have not looked towards God and they have not served the rewarder. They've been serving to get a pat on the back. Now, we try to give pats on the back. That's what Friday night was about, to celebrate everybody, to say thank you. We try to do that, but sometimes, and we know it, it's not enough. I drove up today at 8 o'clock. 8 o'clock in the morning, our head usher, Nate, is out in the parking lot picking up trash. Guys, he's the head usher. That really even wasn't in the job description when we began that. But he's out there doing it. And I guarantee you, he's not doing it so that I'll see. He's doing it so that he'll see. If he's doing it for me to see, the best I can do is go over and say, Nate, great job. You're awesome. But if he's doing it for God to see, God can open up the windows of heaven, pour out a blessing on him that he cannot contain. He can do something for his family, for his career, for whatever. And so, see, the focus has to be on him because it's real easy for him to go, man, I've been ushering at this church for so many years, and and, and I'm just tired. I feel like I'm getting used. I feel like nobody appreciates it. But you better know what 1 Corinthians 15, 58 says. Your labor for the Lord is never in vain, even if nobody notices. And Jesus breaks it down even further in Matthew chapter six, where I remember uh, uh, Pastor Troy Marshall came here years ago and he preached a message called the secret reward. The secret reward is something y'all need to tap into. Jesus talks about it in Matthew six. He says this, when you do something in secret, God will then come and reward you openly. But you gotta pass the test of doing it in secret. We live in a time where we want everybody to see what we're doing. We want everybody to see, look at me, I'm serving God. And Jesus breaks it down in Matthew 6. And he says, if you serve me like that, you'll have your reward. You'll feel good when people pat you on the back. You'll feel good when people uh, say thank you. And that's the reward. That's it. 
But Jesus said, when you do things in secret that nobody notices, that nobody comes and says thank you for, he says, that's when I like to get involved and I can pour big rewards on you openly for all to see. And one of the things we need to learn about what Jesus taught us was this. The secret reward is worth more than the open reward. So some of you have been doing stuff around here and doing stuff at your work that nobody notices. And you've been getting mad about it. Dang, I always got to clean up after these slobs. You go in the break room and you clean up the room before you leave. And this thing in your heart goes, man, these people are slobs, but I'm going to do it. Hey, God sees that. Man, I'm, I hate this job because I do all this extra work and, and, and nobody notices. Hey, God sees that. Wait, that's a secret reward coming your way. Don't blow the spot. But we like to blow it up. And we like to go tell somebody. Yeah, I'm always the one cleaning up over there. You messed it all up. God had a blessing in secret for you. You were doing it in secret. He was going to reward you openly. But you blew up your own spot because you are doing it for the wrong reason. Focus on him. Focus on him. Focus on him. And when you're doing stuff nobody sees, get ready. Because Jesus said, my God will reward you openly. This is the problem with the Pharisees. The Pharisees in the Bible did everything to be seen. Everything they did. When they fasted, they walked around like this. Oh, I'm so hungry. I'm so starved. When they prayed, they prayed in the streets loud. And they prayed for everybody to see. Jesus said, man, don't pray like these, these fools. Go home, pray, and, and don't post about it. Read your Bible and don't post about it. We post about it because we want people to go, man, that's great. That's awesome that you're spending time with God. You blew up your own spot. You should keep it where nobody knows you pray. You just act right and God rewards what you do in secret. He rewards you openly. See, the kingdom's different, y'all. And you're trying to be in this kingdom operating like the world and you're staying at a certain level. When you understand God's a rewarder, you don't need people's praise. Guys, I'm telling you, I live like this. My wife will tell you, sometimes I go out and preach. I go out and preach to some hard places sometimes. And the Bible is very clear that when somebody comes to a church and preaches, they that labor in, in their word are worthy of their pay. That's why every time we bring in a guest speaker, I always give y'all an opportunity to sow into their life because it's biblical. If they come in and preach for this house, you should give them an offering. Can I get an amen? amen. But can I tell you, I've preached in countries, I've preached in places where I gave my all, laid hands on everybody, and the pastor just gave me a high five and said, thank you for coming. And can I just tell you, it doesn't bother me a bit. I call home. My wife will tell you. I'll call home and, 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 and I'll say, babe, they didn't bless me, but guess what? God's got us. And she says, I know he does. I know he does. And he always does. The sad part for me is that the people don't get a blessing. I did all that work and they showed no honor. It robs them. Some places I go, like when I go to the Philippines and stuff, they receive an offering for me, but it ain't, it ain't, it ain't nothing. I mean, I literally want to give it back to them. The only reason I don't is because I know I'm keeping them from a blessing. So, I'll, man, I'll go to work hard. I'll preach two, three hours. I'll teach leadership things. And they'll come and they'll give me their best offering. And their best offering is for us like 20 bucks. 
I literally want to give it back to them. But God says, nope, that's their offering. Don't rob from them. And I go home and I say, God, you know, I got bills at home, but I know I preach today for you and you're going to take care of me. And he always does. But did you know there are some people, they can't get past that. They can't, they want their rewards now. Guys, this, this is how I've lived my life. As a, I, I've, I've preached in church. I've lived, I mean, I've worked in churches. I don't think I've ever earned what I was worth. That's not a brag. That's shame on the churches and people I was involved with. All right? I'm doing okay now. Y'all can relax. All right? All right. But I, you still, I still ain't getting what I'm... Anyway, that's a whole other thing. But God got me. Amen. But my point is this, y'all. My point is this. I never work for the people. I always work for God. And you should too. Because he's given me some blessings that money cannot buy. He's given me some things that money cannot buy. But you have to focus on him. Don't let your works be so that you can be looked at and be celebrated. See, we've got a lot of people offended with the church offended with men and women of God because they say, well, I've done this, that, and the other, and I didn't get what was, listen, quit working for the church. Let me just tell anybody that serves here, you don't serve for the church. You serve the church, but you serve God. You're in children's ministry. That's God. You're doing that for God. You work in the media. You're doing it for God, not me. You're an usher. You're doing it for God, not me. Why do I want to change your focus there? Because he's the only one that can reward you. I can't. But I do know this. He's a rewarder. Some of you have backed off of the things that you do because you've lost sight of this. And let me just tell you this story as I close. If uh, Eddie, if you could help me on the keys. I remember I was in Bible college. And if you've ever gone to any college, you know money's tight. You know, you're in school. I was taking a full load. I was working a part-time job at night. Didn't have a lot of money. And I, one day I was watching Christian TV and I was watching this televangelist on the TV. And he's talking about, you need to believe God. God can meet your needs. And, and, and you, you need to sow a seed today because we are believing to feed these orphans over in this other country. And I believe if you sow a seed, if you've got a need, you need to sow a seed. And if you do, God's going to come through for you. I'm watching this. I don't have a lot of money and I need God to do some things for me. I left home. My mom and dad are in Sacramento. I'm in San Jose. I can't just pull on them. So I'm like, God, I'm watching this. And I'm like, yes, if I sow a seed, God will meet my need. And I feel this thing in my spirit. I feel God say, you have needs, so sow a seed and watch what I'll do. So I said, amen. And this is before like cell phones and stuff. This is like back in ninety. So I wrote a check, wrote down the address on the screen, got an envelope, went and borrowed a stamp from my tia, mailed this thing off. And I was like, God, I'm doing this. I'm sowing this seed and I believe you're going to meet my need. I wrote like a hundred dollar check, y'all, which was huge for me at that time, being a student. I mailed that off and I was like, God, I'm doing this out of obedience to your voice. I believe you're going to bless me. That was it. The next day, y'all, I'm watching the game and a little advertisement comes up for 2020. They still have 2020 on TV. It's a new show. And it says, watch 2020 tonight as we expose televangelists for ripping off people. And do y'all know it was the exact dude that I just sent a check to 
I was like, oh, you gotta be kidding me. I felt like such a sucker. So I never watched 2020, but I stayed up that night and I watched that episode. I sat there with my arms, like, who is, what the hell? And they began to talk about how this guy was taking money and saying it was for orphans in another country, but they found out, they found all these envelopes uh, that there was no orphans over there. And they found that he wasn't doing anything. He was, he was buying jets and mansions and stuff, you know, all the stuff we've seen. I was crushed. I turn off the TV and I said, God, God, I, I, I know you spoke to me to give that. And this is what God told me. And it's, it's kept me for the rest of my, my journey. He said, yeah, I told you to give that because you didn't give that to him. You gave that to me. And because you gave it to me, I'm going to still bless you. As far as him, I'm going to judge him. I'm going to deal with him for ripping off my people. And that's just what God did. That man went under, his ministry's no more. I think he went to jail, whatever. But I still got my blessing. And you want to know why? Because my motive for giving that was to please God. My motive in giving was obeying the voice of God. And that was it. Guys, everything you do for God, none of it goes unnoticed. And it's not done in vain. Amen? Amen. Until this day, that's how I live. Come on, I'm in South Sac. I see all these beggars out here all the time. Hey, can, I, can you do this? Holding signs. I don't give to them all. But if God drops it in my spirit, I'll give to them. Aren't you afraid that people are going to say that you don't help the homeless? Listen, I don't give for what the people say. I give for what God tells me. So I'll drive by some of these fools and sleep good at night. Because I don't give to please what you think. I, please, I give to please God. And if he tells me to give, I'll give. Can I get an amen? amen. But we got people giving out of guilt. Oh, well, you know, I, just don't, I, want, I don't want people to know that I help the home. God, get your eyes on Jesus. Get your eyes on Jesus. Well, I hope you've been encouraged by the word of God. And if you have, go ahead and subscribe to our podcast or download our free app at the App Store. And you can continue to get word every week from Elevate Life Church.